I am completely obsessed with this pen. It is. Listen to this. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a good click. ASMR right there. Oh, gosh. Hello, and welcome to episode 186 of the Erasable Podcast. I'm Tim, here with Andy and Johnny, and we're thinking about creativity. How's it going, guys? Good. Hey. I'm feeling so hard about creativity. (laughs) Anti-creativity. Boo. I like to break stuff, not make stuff. Exactly. (laughs) Johnny, are you nursing a sunburn from your travels? So, funny story is that I'm very irresponsible, and I got sunburn on top of sunburn. So, like, I probably aged myself or something. Mm -hmm. Terrible. But the last one was go-karting, and that was totally worth it. Got sunburned go-karting? How long were you (laughs) go-karting? That's how I got to well, Delaware. Well, you know, <laughs> you do it once. You have some ice cream and the kids are looking at you. You're like, yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> Every, I just then, imagine you getting around the track and you get to the end and you pull up and the guy's like, time to get out, sir. And you hand him a $20 bill and you're like, put me out there again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my baby brother and I were like tearing up the track. It was really funny. I'm surprised <laughs> none of us got hurt. <laughs> the size of the sunburn. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm going to... In a couple of weeks, I'm going to Palm Springs for a few days. Palm oh, Springs nice. in September should be interesting because it's it's 100. It's sometimes a high of like like 110, and also from like noon to 6 p.m. they have like UV warnings. You're just not supposed to go outside. <laughs> oh, so I will. <laughs> if I don't know if I'll have skin left, yeah. let alone sunburn. Yeah, when we were in Georgia, like our family that lives in Georgia, we're like, yeah, this time of year, we just don't go outside between like this hour and this hour. <laughs> like, oh, that's funny. And like, cool. no, they were, they just didn't, they did not go outside. <laughs> they didn't go anywhere. They're yeah. just like, no, seriously, don't go outside. And then I made that mistake once and then I was done. <laughs> I don't even need to go outside to get sweaty. So <laughs> do that. Comfort yeah. of your own living room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So cool. Well, it's good talking to you guys. And so school is either about to start for some of you or it just started or it's starting for most of our listeners. Even those of us who whose lives don't revolve around the academic calendar, sometimes we feel like creative pull as summer winds down. And we thought we'd take a deep dive into the books that we find inspiring or informational, taking what we what, like what may, might be a short tour through the creative self-help books that we have enjoyed or benefited from. And the perfect place to start would be tools of the trade, the things that we're using now, things that we're enjoying now. So Johnny, why don't you get us started? Sure. So a very inspiring book I just read was Bright by Kiki Petrosino, my sister-in-law. I don't know if you guys have had the experience of reading a memoir of someone who is a member of your family, but <laughs> it's different. But yeah, it was obviously just, so just Art of the Deal. That's the only one that I've read from a family member. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite uncle. <laughs> Crazy Uncle Donnie. Yeah. <laughs> I hear he's a taken up orange clothing. <laughs> he's like going to wear orange all the time now for the rest of his short life. <laughs> Terrible. But Bright was super good. It's a memoir by a poet, and it's not the kind of former erasable guest. Yeah, it's not a prose memoir like I was expecting. It's really good. Sarah Band always makes like really nice books that feel good in your hands. And this one definitely did. And the cover art was great. So definitely check it out. I read it once really quickly. and I'm going to read it again this week before the kids go to school just because I enjoyed it. And 
I've been away, so I haven't been consuming much, but we just watched a miniseries called What to Do When Someone Dies that obviously will grab you from the title, which apparently was just missing you when it was on in the UK in 2011. Hmm. But it's on PBS Masterpiece, and it's about a woman who, while she's making dinner for her husband, gets a call that he just died in a car accident with a strange woman in the car, and she has no idea who it is. So goes on from there. Super good, super well well acted, and a really good ending and good music. So yeah, that's uh, all I'm really doing, and I'm finishing up the pen and ink combos that I took to the beach. So I have a Levenger True Writer in Blue Bahama, full of Blue Bahama ink, writing in a write notepads Bujo that I'm finishing up so I can start a new one next week when my kids go to school. So that's it. How about you, Tim? Yes. I've got a couple things. Actually, I think everything in my consuming I've talked about before, but I'll explain. I think I mentioned that I was reading this, but I just finished it today. Finally, the Tom Petty biography. It's called Petty, the biography by Warren Zanes. Hmm. And it was, I think when I talked about it last, I was maybe halfway through and I just finished it and it was really great. I mean, I'm a sucker for rock and roll biographies big time. And this one did not disappoint and it just kind of made it even more overwhelming how prolific and awesome Tom Petty was like he almost never put out a stinker and just like reminded me reading this book and the person who wrote it had like a personal connection with him, like had opened for him. And then, you know, those, if you, do you ever read those 33 and a third books or have you seen they're these little really cool slim books and they're just, it's a, it's almost like novella length, but it's like a little slim book dedicated to an album. So they write, it's almost like a beefed up liner notes, but they get creative. Like sometimes like authors will be like, Hey, I'm going to do a, I think there's one for, I want to say it's music at big pink by the band. That was actually fiction. They wrote it as like a novel or something like that, but they, so they get creative with them and there's tons of them and they're great, but he had written one for dusty in Memphis by dusty Springfield. And I guess like 15 years after he had talked to Tom Petty and been around him and he picked that book up and was like, wow, that was great. And he talked to this guy and then they reconnected and then he ended up writing his official biography, which is really, it was really good. So I highly recommend it. And I actually just queued up. I saw that he wrote the book came out in 2015 and in 2018 after Tom Petty died, he wrote kind of not, not exactly like an extension, but like wrote about the death of Tom Petty for Rolling Stone. And I'm, so it's kind of like a, what do you call it? A denouement or something for the book. But I'm going to read that tonight. And we just rewatched a movie called the way with Martin Sheen, which was, we were rewatching it. So clearly we liked it, but it was even better than I remembered it. It is, it was written produced and directed by his son, Emilio Estevez. Hmm. And he's also in it. So it's about Martin Sheen is this ophthalmologist whose son kind of his only son. It's like around 40 run doesn't run off, but he just says like, I'm giving up this kind of lifestyle that I've been working towards and I'm dropping out of my PhD and I'm just going to go travel. And then he ends up going on the community Santiago in Spain and, and dies. And so this is the story of Martin Sheen's character, like going to get his ashes. And then he ends up like finishing the Camino Santiago with his son's ashes and like meeting all these characters along the way. It's a really great movie. So I'm Hmm. glad I rewatched it. And the other one, the last thing is I've talked about mandolin orange before. 
and then they changed their name to Watch House. And I talked about their album Watch House that came out. And last week they have a new album by Watch House called Watch House. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's it called? Who are they? Watch House <laughs> Duo. So, anyways, they re-released their new album, like their new self, whatever you call it, like self-titled album. But they did it just as the husband and wife duo, like all acoustic. It's like a really stripped down version, but they did it in a studio, like superficial, and it's fan- it's wonderful, very <laughs> relaxing, good stuff. The album itself was good, but I think. I don't know if they did that just because they liked doing that or if they did it because people were like, Hey, we miss you. And you two just, because that's how they tour is just the two of them. But the album had, you know, a full band and like pedal steel and drum set here and there. And so, but it's cool. So it's called watch house duo by watch house by watch house, <laughs> formerly known as mandolin orange now <laughs> known as watch house. And I am writing with my new favorite pen. This is blasphemous, but I couldn't not talk about it tonight. I got a Mahjong, which used to be Moon Man, I guess. They like rebranded or split branding or something. It was because of Aco. They trademarked Moon Man in the UK to get back at them for quote unquote stealing their designs. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) It's it's true. It's not even, it sounds crazy, but no, weird. I'll tell you, (laughs) who cares? Just a name, but. It's funny, but mine actually says Moon Man on it, so suck it, Kaveco. Mine says Moon Man, and it is their clone of the Pilot Vanishing Point hmm. retractable fountain pen. It's in matte black, and I've got G. Herbon Pearl Noir. I'll go with the American pronunciation of that one. Pearl Noir black in it, and it's an EF nib, which I don't usually like, but I am completely obsessed with this pen. It is. Listen to this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's got a good click. ASMR right there. Oh gosh, but it is such a cool pen and it came, it worked great right out of the box. Like didn't have to adjust it or anything. And I think there's something about like how these vanishing point style pens, like they don't even need to be perfectly tuned because the nib and whatever you call it, like the innards of the pen is kind of a separate deal than the barrel. So if it's scratchy, you don't even really feel it too much. I think as if that makes sense mm-hmm. because there's like a, degree of separation but great ink flow it's an ef but i like it and it works great in like civilian notebooks works great in field notes and stuff i just love it keep it in my pocket i've been using it exclusively for several days and it's kind of makes me feel like i found my like ultimate carry around fountain pen i love it so much and it's like i mean it's i know it's a copy it's a clone and there's some like ethics there but yeah i mean it's like an eighth of the price or something i don't know Got it for about 25 bucks. I know I have used an actual vanishing point. Actually, one of my coworkers has one and it definitely feels better. I mean, it's got a gold nib and it's super smooth and a little wetter, but this is serving my purposes just fine. Yeah. So I'm using that and I am writing in my Maraman spiral notebook. So, Very nice. How about you? I've been reading a lot of books lately. I don't know why. Just been a little bit more reflective and just trying to spend my downtime a little bit more quiet, but I did read, I read Bright. I pre-ordered after I heard that the, that it was coming out. So I sort of forgot about it. And then it just like showed up to my house one day and like, this is so great. So yeah, like Johnny said, it's a quick read and it's a memoir, but like, there's still a lot of like kind of rhythm to it. And there's like that, that one chapter that she just sort of like builds on and builds on. You see like the, the text from the last page kind of grayed out. It's really hard to like describe, like, I'm sure that there's like a name for that kind of like poetic device, but I thought that was really fun. Are you familiar with, do you know what I'm talking about, Johnny? 
I know what you're talking about, but I have no idea what it's called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll have to figure that out. Definitely pre-order Bright by Kiki Pedrosino. I'm reading a book right now that I have been just sort of seeing all over the place. Like people have been recommending it on TikTok and on Twitter and friends of mine who aren't normally like people I think about reading these kind of books, just like a lot of people talking about it. It's a book by Gabrielle Zevin, Zevin called Tomorrow and Tomorrow. If you go to a bookshop, you probably see it sitting on the New Reads shelf and it just has it has the that old Japanese block print of the wave and the scenes of Mount Fuji with just this really kind of pixelated video game style font on it. And it's really good. It's about these two people who meet as children and you know, go to college together and they make a video game and then it's successful and they make another video game. And it's very character driven. It's about them, but it's also a little bit about making video games. And it's a lot a bit about collaborative, like, like creative collaboration. It's something that's really interesting. There's so much like they talk about brainstorming and they talk about compromise and they talk about working together. And it's just like a, such a good, as somebody who, you know, collaborates with others on most of my creative projects. It's something that's really just really interesting to me. So it's a great book. I'm only about maybe like 40% of the way through, but I've been just hearing a lot of people, both John Green and Hank Green, the Green brothers on on TikTok have been just really raving about it. So it's really good. The I'm also just, I finished since we last recorded a book called Machines Like Me by Ian McEwen. Great name. Ooh. It's, how do you describe it? It's kind of science fiction, kind of not. Is it Ian um, McEwen? Yeah. Like the guy who wrote Atonement, mm-hmm. and oh, okay, nice. yeah, it's it's set in an alternate reality, nineteen eighty five, and it's one where <laughs> Alan Turing didn't die, Ooh. and basically sort of like Ooh. propelled the digital age, like the technological age, forward. And so it's set in nineteen eighty five, and there's nineteen eighty five like UK stuff happening it takes place in the UK, so like the Falkland Island War and like like things like that. But also, like, they have, like, the internet. And there's this guy who plays the stock market just as a career and his girlfriend. And they, like, they buy a, basically, like, an artificial human. And it's it gets very sort of, like, moody and philosophical about, like, sentient life. And, you know, does it matter if you're biological or not? Just stuff like that. It's very, yeah, it's really good. I'm... I would definitely recommend it. If you just kind of want like a philosophical, moody, speculative, science fiction-y kind of a thing. The I, last like thing. I went through like yeah. a big Ian McEwan phase like four or five years ago and read like five of his books in a row and really enjoyed him. Yeah, I don't know what else I've, if I've ever read anything else by him. Like I'm familiar with him. Yeah, it was when I, I you guys will probably remember this, like when I got initially got super obsessed with novellas and I was just like mm-hmm. obsessed with it. And he, I ended up reading some great article that he wrote about the novella, and then that led me to his book on Chesil Beach, and then I ended up reading Amsterdam, and mm. just kind of like domino effect through like several of them. Yeah, this one was just I've been getting a lot of Libby recommendations from you know that that library mm-hmm. like Overdrive app, and this came up, and I was like, this looks interesting, so yeah, put that on hold. Just quickly, last thing I'll mention is I just cracked open something that we will eventually talk more about, mm-hmm. and actually something that spurred us having a conversation about books about creativity anyway, which is a book by our friend and podcast past multiple guests, Joey Cafone, the co-founder of Baron Fig. He wrote a book called The Laws of Creativity, Unlock Your Originality and Awaken Your Creative Genius. So this doesn't come out till October, but we were all lucky enough to get some advanced, advanced copies. Um, so I think eventually we want to like, you know, have him on the show and talk about this. 
But in the meantime, yeah, go place your pre-order for this. It's very nice. Do you all have this in hand? Have you opened yes. it? Yes. Yeah. It's just a really, I mean, you know, leave it to a you know physical product designer, but like it's a really nice feeling book. It's just like, it's very solid. It's like has these nice kind of sharp corners. It's just a tiny bit taller than a confidant. I kind of wish they were the same size, but you know, I can talk to him <laughs> about that. It has a really good like tactile feel to it. Yeah. I got that a really good texture on the cover and it's got the, they did, it does have the, uh, the trademark uh, the rhythm, yellow the ribbon. Yeah. The, bookmark. Yeah. Which is, which is which great. Is awesome. I'm super excited about that. I, yeah, like you said, yeah. we'll have more to say about this later and I haven't started reading it, but I was pleasantly surprised when that showed up and it was, yeah. I don't mean this, I don't mean anything by this, but it's bigger than I thought. Yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> yeah. Thicker. I was expecting yeah. it to be kind of a spare kind of book, but it, like as I'm, I saw it, and I was like, "Oh wow, it's longer." And then I started flipping through it and kind of seeing how it was organized, and I was like, "Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, interesting." It's, the, the scope of it was so much bigger than I was expecting, so I'm looking forward to digging in. Yeah, yeah, big fan of that. So, and then I am writing with one of those new Blackwing eras. It's the black stripe Blackwing. It's a recreation of the one that has the little arrow punched out on the ferrule, just to kind of show that you can move the eraser in and out. And then it also has like the arrows going the other way where it says half the pressure, twice the speed. can't remember what era that is, but that's like 50s, 60s, maybe. I should look that Interesting. up. Interesting. So, I mean, I wonder how expensive that was. They could keep doing it. That would be kind of neat. To punch out the ferrule? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And they, of course, use the extra from graphite, which I appreciate. So, right. One of those, my usual confidant that I have damaged with water since we last last recorded. <laughs> <laughs> sounds oh, no. like you did it on purpose like you were like yeah threw <laughs> the, it out like the cover that. no i i had a yeti water bottle in my book bag and i thought i had like tightened it properly and i did not and it, it just not even that much just dripped enough on it where the cloth cover kind of came away and expanded a little bit so there's some bubbles on the front cover now it's fine i'm fine <laughs> well <laughs> everything's fine everything yeah i want to reiterate my offer to put an elastic in it i could turn it around oh, yeah. in a couple days i'll priority mail it right back to you Ooh, that's uh, that's very tempting. <laughs> Actually, be- J- Johnny, I want to talk to you about something. Right? We might as well have this conversation on air, right? Like, this is fine. But <laughs> can you, if I send you a copy or two of my book, Writing is Designing, can you, so it's a paperback, can mm. you turn it into a hardcover? Yes. Oh, like man. a cloth-bound hardcover? <laughs> yeah. I want to make a special gift edition for me and my co-author and then also like our publisher. I think that'd be really fun. I'll pay yeah, you. I'll definitely screw the first one up, but then usually <laughs> I get like I get the hang of things the second yeah. time. Okay, we'll figure it out. I or third. <laughs> have some figuring to do, but yeah, that would be that'd be so awesome. Cool. And that is it for me. Should right. we jump into main topic stuff? Do We're it. skipping fresh points today just to keep on track, right? Yeah. 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 We're dull. <laughs> <laughs> dull points. That should be our new slogan: never dull. Never dull. Mostly never dull. <laughs> Irresistible podcast. The rarely dull podcast. <laughs> the rarely dull. <laughs> <big podcast. laughs> even sounds like erasable. That's on. We need t-shirts. All right. Yeah. So let's get into it. So I am. I, there's a songwriting podcast that I listen to called The Working Songwriter, which is done by Joe Pug, and he interviews these you know, great songwriters from all these different genres and talk about their process. And in his intro to the episode, he always says like. He has this this phrase that is basically, so here I am to give you what every writer is ultimately looking for, a reason not to sit down and write. And sometimes the books we're going to talk about today can serve that purpose. They certainly have done that to me over the years where it's like, before I start writing my next story, I better read again about how to do this, like as if I don't just need to figure it out. But there's a, I mean, there's a whole industry of what can only be described as self-help books for creative types. And they cover productivity, 
an organization, how to get into a market, how to get a grant, how to get, you know, get into competitions, how to run a successful social media strategy. And anyone who does creative work these days has plenty of stuff to look at besides doing, you know, what they should actually be doing. And a lot of things that are telling you, you should do it this way, this way. So being such creative types, we would like to start exploring and sharing what we like and consume in this genre. So we're planning to span this discussion over maybe a couple episodes. Tonight, we're going to talk about what we look for in books about creativity and writing and creating and et cetera. And then next time, we'll talk about some more titles, like specific titles that we found especially useful and inspirational or just awesome. And then maybe we'll do an After Dark one about ones that sucked. Because so. <laughs> there's, there's a terrible book about how to integrate writing into the design process for <laughs> software, which is really awful. <laughs> Don't read that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yes, yeah, so I'm glad we're doing this topic. This is something that I have an embarrassing amount of knowledge about just because I've read <laughs> so many of these and I have such a wide collection of them. I can blame it on my years in education. And saying, I was looking for ideas of what to do with my <laughs> students. But no, I was looking for like the, you know, the book that I was going to open up and there was going to be this like carved out little hole in the middle of the book with this pill that I would just like pop. And then suddenly <laughs> I turned into Neil Gaiman or whatever. And it just didn't happen. So, so oddly enough, I am working on some of those. So. Okay, cool. Yeah, just put it in with my next zine. I just got to find someone who makes that pill. <laughs> who makes the pill. You're working on the book. Just You just need the pill. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've got that 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 hole just right. Okay, good to know. It's like a really, a really extra, like Monday through Sunday, like medicine organizer that's like inside of a book. <gasps> you want to okay. make one of those for me? Put a belly band on it and you open up the book and then there's like a square for each day of the week and you put your pills into it. I would. Oh my God, I want one of those. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about this later. Okay. Like yeah. <laughs> patent, patent pending. Yeah. TM, TM. <laughs> so let's see. Yeah, so let's just dig in. So Johnny... It, you know, we've all, we've talked about these kind of books. You've shared a couple with me and uh, with us over the years. I know you have some favorites, but just in general, like, what are you looking for? Well, actually here, I'm going to kind of catch you guys off guard. So first of all, Woo! In, in what situation do you reach for these kinds of books? Mm. Like, when do you find yourself Ooh. wanting to, or tending to reach for these kind of books? Can I go first? Yeah, go for Please it. Do. So I know that writing is good for me, whether it's, you know, ghostwriting for something or journaling or something. And when I find myself not doing it, and then I remember how good it is for me to do and I realize that I need help to jumpstart it. That's when I reach for stuff like that. Makes sense. I I tend to do it like, like I, I mean, I'll talk about this a little bit more, but I, I tend to get into like books about creativity that are get pretty niche. Like here's how to do a, here's how to do a specific thing. And I, I generally tend to pick them up like when I'm trying to figure out how to do that specific thing or when I've been mm-hmm. kind of thinking about it. So I I don't usually, unless it's just something that's just kind of like out there, if it's written by somebody I know or just really connect with, I usually don't just take one off the shelf. So mm-hmm. I tend to have like a problem in mind that I'm trying to solve and, you know, go for something that way. Yeah. yeah. How do you do that it, makes sense. I So my... I. Mine is usually dictated by what genre my own writing is moving towards at a certain time. Cause sometimes I go through a, a phase where I'm thinking a lot about poetry or I'm curious about the essay or I'm obsessed with short stories or whatever. And so usually that's reaching for these kinds of books is what I use to reconfigure my brain towards something else for better or worse. I don't think it's like the right way to do it, but I think that's when I tend to reach for these is when I'm at some sort of turning point or I'm at a, or, may, or maybe it's a point where I've like, 
wow, this is really hard to write poetry. Maybe I'll try short stories. <laughs> and then I, then I reach for a book about short stories. But that, yeah, that usually, that's usually it. And then there are a, a few handful of them that I could probably, you know, there's probably four or five that I could grab at any given moment just to kind of give myself a little creative boost, no matter what I'm, what I'm working on. But yeah. So I, that's, I wanted to get that out of the way first. Like when, like these kind of books, I mean, I don't, I've got a lot of them. And I know you guys have some too, but like, I don't think any of us are in the situation where we're reading them sort of all the time or we're consuming them a lot, but I think we, you know, go through phases. So, yeah. but Johnny, in these kinds of books, what are you looking for in a like zoomed out point of view? I tend to like ones that are part inspiration, part information, because, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a textbook, I can't pay attention to that. And if it's all inspiration, I start, you know, I don't like a lot of emoting it makes me queasy. So, you know, emoting for a reason, I tend to like the most. And I mean, I don't want to spoil next week too much, but Neil Gaiman's speech that he gave at it was a graduation speech from 2012 called Make Good Art is like mm-hmm. the perfect example because his point is no matter what happens, just make good art. So mm-hmm. that's very inspirational, but also totally informational. And, you know, it's well delivered and super good and totally go watch it immediately. And that voice. Ooh, yes. That voice. <laughs> Has anybody watched Sandman on Netflix yet? Not yet. I need to watch it. Not yet. I did. I just got the uh, comics from oh, yeah. the library. Like to, cause I think like back in the day I'd read the first like three yeah. or something. First three, uh, what do you call them? Mm. Not issues, but like, <laughs> yeah, like part one, part two, part three, like those, the first three collections or whatever. Yeah. But I wanted to get back into it. Yeah. I, what do I look for in those? I, it's funny cause you know, I wrote my co-author and I wrote a book that's kind of kind of sits within this genre. And while we have some very like practical tips in there, it's mostly sort of like broad approaches and frameworks and like thoughts, right? Just hey, here's a different way to think about this, like mindsets, I guess. But when I look for these books, I look for just like one of the like very short form practical things, like something that I can skim or something that has very kind of like clear actionable rules or very segmented chapters or something very simple. There's a designer named, sorry, I'm just grabbing one of these books, a designer named Dan Cederholm, who is, you know, just a very strong visual designer. And he, like, I love typography. I love fonts. I'm never going to make one myself, but I love kind of reading about them. And he wrote this just really great, very short book called, it's part of the Simple Bits series. And it's just called 20 Bits I Learned About Making Fonts. And each kind of like little chapter or section is a rule or a approach. Like sometimes it's something as simple as like finish your spacing before you start kerning. Or sometimes it's like, hey, when it's like, like if it's friendly, like start with all caps, like things like that. And it, it just has a few little examples and maybe like a couple hundred words for each chapter along with some examples. And I, that length that kind of shortness and very sort of like directness really appeals to me especially when i'm reading stuff like this so i didn't really kind of like practice what i preached or what i would interest me when i you know came time to write it myself like write my own but you know in this case um yeah this is the kind of stuff i'm attracted to it's really kind of like short directed things yeah i think about length a lot with books like this i want them to be like to the point to not be too long-winded there are some that like just the way that I put it is like when they're too self-important where it's like, I have so much to say on this topic 
right? Yeah. Like I get my BS meter kind of starts to ding a little bit where I'm like, <laughs> like, all right, dude, yeah, like just get on with it. Like just how do you make a character believe what you're telling? But yeah, I'm, I think all three of us in our notes mentioned the word practical. You would definitely like want something practical or specific about it. But I, and I think for me, it's that like, I look for, I want to read something that is practical, but not too self-important. And I like it when they focus on the process in like a really mundane way. Like yeah. as in like, Hey, you're not me and I'm not you, but this is what I do. Like, I really like that. I like when I can read something where it's like, this is what my process looks like. I'm going to show you behind the scenes. You can see, here's what my day looks like. Here's what my thought process is like modeling it for you. And they're not super and, precious about it. No, not at all. Yeah, exactly. And so I really like that because then what I feel like that gives me permission to do is be like, Oh, interesting. Like I got a good feel of his or her personality. Like this is what they're like. This is the way they process things just from them being honest and describing it in the way they did. I don't think that part of it's going to work for me, but I really like this. Like this is really intriguing. I like to be able to cherry pick it like that. Yeah. And one that I'll talk about in much more detail when we get together uh, for the next episode, that's like a perfect example of that kind of thing is Ron Carlson writes a story, which I think I've talked about years ago, but that is literally the short story writer, Ron Carlson telling the story of writing one story. Like it was his short story, the governor's ball. And he's and he just from start to finish, it's this little slim book, like 75 pages. And he walks through it for the process. Like, here's the first idea. Here's the second idea. Here's how I crammed them together. Here's what the first draft looks like. Here's what I needed to fix. Here's what I need to fix in the next draft. You know, it's just like super streamlined. That's really cool. And the whole time he's like, listen, I'm no expert. I'm just telling you how I do it, which I appreciate. I don't like when they say, you know, do it like this. I like when they say, this is how I do it. So, and I think the memoir element helps me a lot too. Like when I get a feel of their character and I get a feel of like the way they think as a reader and whatever. Yeah. Where I just feel like they're just giving us a little snapshot of them rather than saying there's some kind of like yeah. deity that's really important. So I like those a lot. Books like that, short and to the point. And I've got like another part of my brain. So there's like the short and practical. Like I want it to be short and directly to the point and very specific. And I'll just do with it what I can. And then the other side of my brain likes the like wildly impractical ones, which, <laughs> which the example that I thought of that I'll, again, I'll talk about later. In the next episode is the writing life by Annie Dillard, which is just a very like, loosey goosey poetic kind of description of what the life of a writer is like. And it's very nonlinear and she just walks through like how it feels instead of talking about the actual act of it, you know, like, or like <laughs> it's like, it's almost more about mindset than it is about process, which hmm. is super intriguing. And again, that book is short. It's like 80 pages long, but it's super rich just a very rich short book. And so those are kind of the two ends of the spectrum for me. And I like those both quite a bit. And I just thought of this when we were, when you guys were talking, I'd be really curious. And if anybody who's listening has suggestions, I'd love to hear them for creativity and writing books that aren't, or sorry, not writing books, creativity books that aren't aimed solely at writers. Hmm. Um, the artist way is supposed to be for everybody. Even yeah, though it's, it's not. not. Yeah. <laughs> It's no, like, that's, you can yeah. act like a writer, even if you're a lawyer or yeah. <laughs> you know, a performance artist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. She does say that. And there's other ones like Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. She talks about Ooh. it that way, too, which I'll I love that book. But I'm talking like a book that was written for oil painters or a book that was written 
photographers. Like I'd be curious to read something like that, like about the creative process from the vantage point of a non written art form. I've had um, some from like, for like graphic designers and like UX designers that, you know, yeah. are mo mostly about like, you know, combining kind of technical skills around coding and development with like creative skills. So there's stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. That'd be super interesting. And yeah, yeah, there's, and some, there's one that I really love that kind of, it's from almost like a negative point of view. It's like, you know, don't, basically like, don't do it like this. There's a guy named Mike Montero, who's a, just a San Francisco designer. And he wrote a book called Ruined by Design, just about how like, you know, all the terrible things in the world that <laughs> that designers have made and done. And so how, <laughs> if you're going to do this, you shouldn't do it like this. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds wonderful. So it's sort of like creative and inspirational in sort of a way of like not to do it. So there's things like that. I'm trying to think. I mean, that that book about kind of like making fonts is, is kind of toward that. There's a book I really like by John Maeda, M-A-E-D-A. What is it called? It's John Maeda. It's called The Laws of Simplicity. Um, mm. And it's kind of like philosophical rules around like designing. And I think it could be applied to writing, but it's just very broad. It's a lot about like, you know, parallel construction and trying to think of other laws within there, but basically just like kind of big ideas that you can apply toward designing things. That's really yeah. good too. Yeah. This is making me realize that maybe the, what I'm asking for is also an explanation. Like me wanting it is an explanation for why I love things like chef's table. So on Netflix, yeah. because it's the same kind of like part of your brain, you know, like, storytelling and you're bringing people together you're trying to like get an idea across but it's in food and i find that like yeah. super duper fascinating yeah so, did i like food books also did i tell you tim about i can't remember if we talked about this last time there's a show on apple tv right now called home huh. and it's two seasons and it's basically it's chef's table but with architecture and oh, i think you have mentioned this wait yeah maybe. Th that's Long another book. one like it's a tv it's not a book but it has very inspirational kind of like a very creative element to it in the same way that chef's table does about houses and living and architecture and you just watch it much like chef's table and these books about something other than writing and just like oh wow yeah people think a lot about this thing <laughs> like people have yeah. careers and obsessions and they think so deeply about this stuff yeah i think that's another good kind of example of that i'm sure there are book versions of that show yeah i absolutely love yeah like like food like writing about food and there's lots of food journalism and food mm. inspiration and i mean if you read like like a julia child memoir or something like this you can just learn so much inspiration and in how she approached the creative process and like introducing and these French food to the masses. And yeah, it's, there's something, I have a book about meeting design, how to design meetings. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> yeah. And it's well, real thick. <laughs> I feel like the thing that all of these books from all the way from meetings to French cuisine to like how to write a horror story, like probably the thing that they have, this is just me kind of, hypothesizing but like the thing they have most in common that we can gain from is the idea of like iteration yeah or like the idea of pr like process and repetition like chefs yeah. like you when you on that chef's table show they talk about how they will try out new things like on yeah. different nights where these like chefs like oh tonight we're trying this out we're trying this out and some nights it does yeah they just people don't like it and it's a flop and then we take it off the menu and we do something else the next day you know like yeah that kind of idea like like you mentioned i think you're the one who said like something about not being too precious like, yeah you have to not be afraid to fail things. right yeah. like yeah and that's a big thing like when i think about something that is so kind of utterly foreign to me like 
for me, I don't, I'm not particularly musical. So like writing music is something that just doesn't like, I just can't conceive of how that happens. And Mm -hmm. I think part of it is because I would place upon myself sort of this pressure to be, to like have this fully formed melody coming out of my brain (laughs) onto paper or into a, you know, into an Mm -hmm. instrument. And I know, I mean, I know intellectually that's not how that works, right? Like you try this out, you try this out, maybe you have like a little snippet of inspiration of like a few notes together and then you develop Mm -hmm. that. And so, yeah, there's so much iteration and being not afraid of having something like super messy out there. Yeah. Like a little bit of touch of improvisation. Yeah. There's a guy, I hesitate to talk about it because I don't want to sound like I'm a simp for my employer, but uh, <laughs> this guy named Scott Belsky, he's the chief product officer at Adobe, and he wrote this book called The Messy Middle, and it's about, kind of kind of about the collaborative process and how, you know, there's just like this big scribble right in the middle of the line from start to finish, and it's a lot about embracing that and finding order in that chaos, and I really think you can apply that toward creating almost anything. That's interesting. Yeah, I know there was a kind of like two examples going through my head at the same time, but you know, Rainier Maria Rilke or Rilke. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. So he was, I mean, he's a poet. was always a poet, but like famously was the assistant to Rodin, the sculptor. Yeah. And so he was like, as a, he was a poet, but he was super inspired by the sculptor Rodin and like wrote his, the first Rodin biography was written by him like after he died. And like, I always found that relationship really fascinating that his, like I have a book about it, like the, you must, what's it called? Like you must give up your life or something like that, but it's a book about their relationship. And it's like he, his primary influence, it was like the Bible and Rodin, but he was a poet, (laughs) you know, which is really fascinating. And actually Annie Dillard, it's in one of her books. I think it was Pilgrim at Tinkle, Tinker Creek, Tinkle Creek. (laughs) <laughs> Tinkle Creek. Pilgrim at Tinkle Creek. Uh, the Pilgrim of Tinkle Creek. Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. She, I think like the book starts with her talking about being like camping or being out in the, out in nature and reading a biography of Cezanne or something like that. Like reading a biography of a poet or of a painter. And that's something else we could talk about on another night. But I do find a lot of inspiration in the creative realm from just reading about the lives of creative people. Hmm. Kind of like the same thing I was saying at the beginning about just this is how I do it. This is the way I think. Yeah. Do with it what you will. It's like kind of getting that at like a blown up perspective, which sometimes it's too much. So I like those shorter books, but that's how that Tom Petty book I was talking about earlier was super inspiring. Cause it just talks about him, you know, hammering out a song like wildflowers and 45 minutes and stuff. And it's like, what are you kidding me? Like, how does that, how is that even possible? Yeah. There's that, that this isn't a book, but Oh shoot! What's the name of that that Netflix series by Gary Hustwit? That's by the same guy who did Objectified and that documentary about the font Helvetica. He did uh, several episodes about various kinds of design, like graphic design and illustration and set design and so many different kinds of shoe design and car design and mm-hmm. like it's basically about people who are doing it and yeah, it's just it's just so good. It's one of those he's done. He did that film. I'm trying to break your heart. Like it's just really fantastic. So wait, I am trying to break your heart. Like the Wilco one. Yeah, I think he directed that. Um, Whoa, okay. The, nice. It's basically, yeah, like the creation and the aftermath of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Yeah, very yeah. cool. I love that. Shoot, what is the name of that series? I'll find it and I'll put it in show notes. But mm-hmm. yeah, just really just just 
kind of the creative process in general. And they, I mean, they apply the word design in it with a very broad brush, like the way that they do it. You can design a song and you can design a book or whatever, right? Like it's very, yeah. it's just about the creative process and being useful and usable to something. Yeah. Use, usable is an interesting word to bring yeah. up in, in the subject of this. Like Johnny, I was thinking that makes me think of the right to write that book that you sent me by Julia Cameron, how it's mm-hmm. like written in like smaller chunks that you can hype. Uh, yeah. I guess technically just jump around wherever hmm. technically, I mean, that book maybe is a little more linear than some, but like basically like exercise books that can throw you off and make you go in a different direction. Hmm. I don't know. So yeah. So I guess next episode we'll talk, we'll kind of each decide maybe on a few that we want to highlight and we'll mm-hmm. talk about maybe how we found them share some quotes and some insights from the book. And then, yeah, maybe we'll talk about a couple stinkers too. You know, what to avoid. <laughs> it's a great uh, idea. <laughs> yeah. But I'm looking forward to it. I like this topic and I'd love to hear what other people, what books listeners go to when they're looking for inspiration as well. I was going to say, yeah, that'd be really interesting. I would love, maybe we can, man, if we really wanted to put some effort into it, maybe we can get some people to record just some short recommendations or something. We can play them. That'd be that would be interesting. Really email, cool. yeah, email us. So if you're listening to this and you're in the Facebook group, feel free to post kind of like some thoughts, thoughts in the group. If you're listening to it on Patreon or if you're a Patreon member, like you should like post there or just email us at irresistiblepodcast gmail or at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's an email or you. Yeah. Send us a, a voice memo or something, you know, record a voice mem- mm-hmm. memo and email it to us and maybe we'll use it, use it on the show. Yeah. So, all right. That was fun, guys. So I'm yeah. looking forward to that conversation. Let's uh, we'll close things up for for this episode, and then we'll hit it hit the ground running next week, and see if you guys can keep me from talking the whole time. <laughs> 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 All righty. Well, thank you everyone for listening. This has been episode 186 of the Erasable Podcast. If you don't already, you should join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Erasable Podcast, and you can like our page at facebook.com slash erasable podcast. We'd like to thank our Patreon producer level patrons, Melissa Miller, Digital Tent Tech, Angie, Aaron Bollinger, Matthew Shaven, Andrew Austin, Tara Whittle, Ida Umfers, David Johnson, Phil Munson, Donnie Pierce, Bill Black, Ed Swift, Tom Keekley, Andre Torres, Paul Moorhead, John Capaluti, Jamelia, Stephen Franscali, Aaron Willard, KP, Millie Blackwell, Michael Dialosa, uh, Jacqueline R. Myers, Tana Feliz, Ann Sipe, Joe Crace, Michael Hagen, Chris Metzkis, Bill Clow, Jason Dill, Mary Collis, Alex Jonathan Brown, Kathleen Rogers, Bobby Letzinger, Kelton Weens, Hans Noodleman, Jay Newton, Chris Jones, and John Wood. Sorry. <laughs> John Wood. <laughs> Actually, it was a it was Andy. Your little uh, on on our sheet. Andy's thing was there. Your cursor was there, and I was afraid it was Johnny getting ready to add something in (laughs) to try to get some revenge on me from that other time. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) You're a strange guy. Show notes for tonight's episode can be found at erasable.us/slash 186. So, thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks.